Welcome to the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast, where we give you real tools to train ultimate humor performance both on and off the emergency scene. I'm your host, Kevin Housley. Let's get to it. Welcome back to the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast, where we empower emergency responders to master stress resilience, foster a fulfilling career, and enrich your personal life. Today, we're going to talk about psychological detachment from work. And this is a concept that I came across reading a book recently, um, and I kind of took a deep dive on this concept of what does it mean to detach from work mentally? And more importantly, how do I actually pull it off when I'm trying to transition from work life to home life? So what is psychological detachment? Basically, it's a mental disconnect and shift from work mode into off work activities. Um, Etienne describes it as an individual sense of being away from the work situation. And this is very important when we look at this concept just on the surface for us emergency responders, because a lot of times we take a lot of the stuff home with us. And there's been a lot of really good chatter out there on the blogs and some conversations and um, podcasts and things like that about it's not necessarily the calls that are getting to us, it's all the other stuff. And I think if we look at emergency responders specifically, and we look at, well, maybe it's not just the calls that are contributing to things that are impacting us, impacting higher burnout rates, um, dissatisfaction with work, things like that. We're not necessarily that different than the working population itself. And so a lot of the studies that I was able to find about psychological detachment specifically had nothing to do with emergency responders. But as I was unpacking them and diving into data and methods and results and things like that, all of them were absolutely relatable and relative to what we do on a daily basis. The cool thing about when we look at research that's been conducted in a space like psychological detachment from work is there's a lot of benefits to research. And especially when we have peer-reviewed scientific studies that have been conducted and meta-analysis of studies, one of the studies I looked at here had over 400 different studies that looked at this one concept specifically, and they just pulled the meat and potatoes out of it and figured out kind of what, what was the valuable stuff that they could actually look at. But the benefits are we have more engaged employees and coworkers. You, you might be more engaged yourself. Lower rates of burnout, higher levels of engagement and production, and happier and healthy people. And really, you know, for us here at Firefighter Craftsmanship, we always talk about finish happy, healthy, and strong, or be happy, healthy, and strong throughout your entire career. And so when, when studies are using that exact same language, we got to kind of pay attention to that. So psychological detachment is supported by a couple of theories. One of them is called the effort recovery model. And the other one is called the conservation of resources theory or core theory. And core theory states that a person needs to take an active role in their own recovery and intentionally engage in activities that restore and rejuvenate themselves. So I can kind of apply this to my career in the fire service. And I remember way back when I interviewed with my department, they actually asked a question, how are you going to deal with the stressors of this job? And this is exactly what they were asking is without knowing these terms or unpacking them by any means is how are you going to be able to psychologically detach from the workspace into your personal space? So that way, when you come back to us, you're rejuvenated, you're ready to go, and you're a high performer. So we're not going to nerd out and dive into theories too much, but just realize that 
this podcast and these scientific concepts of psychological detachment is a heavily studied thing, especially in the organizational psychology space. Um, and so you, there are lots of resources out there just by doing a quick search and you'll see some, some of these studies that I used here in the show notes as well. So really who cares? Who cares? Cool. There are some theories out there. Um, why, why are these important? And they're important because they tie into proactive tools that allow us to stay happy, healthy, and strong. Whether that's on the job or off the job when we're dealing with our personal relationships or um, chasing the things that we like to do off of job. The cool thing about this psychological detachment is it very closely relates to the concept of allostatic load. And for those of you that may have missed it, we unpacked allostatic load in a really great podcast episode. We've gotten a lot of really good feedback about it in episode two, where we talked about the masks that we wear and the impact of allostatic load um, with Lieutenant Taylor Monty. So go back and check out episode two if you haven't heard that yet and learn about this concept of allostatic load. Just a quick rehash, allostatic load is basically chronic stressors over time that are undealt with that they have an impact on you. And so that impact is long lasting. And in my opinion, is one of the root causes of a lot of the mental and physical health um, detriments that we see in emergency responder populations is because of undealt with allostatic load and just an uneducation that that concept even exists. All right, so how do we unpack our personal psychological detachment and maybe we have some positives in that area. Maybe we have some opportunities for improvement in that area as well. So some of you really have great habits and hobbies that help with the concept of psychological detachment, help with decreasing your allostatic load, things like uh, consistent physical fitness routines, good sleep schedules, good quality sleep hygiene, good relationship with technology, um, good relationships off the job, at home, things like that. Some of you maybe used to have some good relationships or some good tools that you that aided in psychological detachment. And maybe you've kind of gotten off the path a little bit, especially with hobbies specifically. So uh, leather workers, um, you know, if you're working with wood or any other, any other things that you really like to do, mountain biking, like all of those sorts of things. What are some of those things that maybe you used to do that you just don't do anymore? Um, and maybe that some of those things are still hobbies and activities that you would really like to get back into. If there are some of these things, then reinvest in them. Don't look at them as like another time suck or just stacking it on top of the already overloaded pile of things that you have to do. But what are those investments that you're willing to give to yourself to make you happy, healthier, and stronger over time to build your personal relationship with yourself, to build those uh, relationships with the people that you value in your life and to have a, maybe a more positive and healthy relationship with your occupation and the ways that you go out and earn financial stability for yourself and your family. And as you're doing this, then also take a look maybe at some of those bad habits, especially here after the first of the year. What are some of those things that you would like to change? And remember, January 1st isn't like this magical date where, oh, I have to do these new resolutions now. It's just another day on the calendar. So you can start and you can commit and you can follow through on things that you want to change any day of the year. It just doesn't have to happen at the first of the year. So here's we're nearing the end of the, the month. If you've already kind of fallen off of those wagons, that's all right. Just refocus and figure out, all right, what are the things that are actually truly valuable to me? What are the things I truly want to change? 
or progress towards or grow within and then go out there and just slowly chunk away and get after it. Some bad habits, you know, that that exist out there that could actually impede psychological detachment from work would be relationship with technology for sure. Are you checking work emails 24/7 and I don't really care if you're a salaried employee or not. You need to make sure that you have Um, a good healthy relationship with technology and you have good expectations around what that means with you. Other bad habits are the the 24-7 news cycle. I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you stop watching the news. So we all know that they get paid based on eyeballs on their platform and we all know that negative news stories outpace positive news stories by an exponential amount for how many eyeballs click on those um, and pay attention to those news stories. So the news, it's good to be informed, um, but I have a feeling that the major news outlets really don't have your best interest at heart. Another low-hanging fruit on bad habits is your relationship with alcohol. And we're not going to dive into that, but just, hey, is, are the things that you're putting into your body helping you or hurting you? Are you intentionally making those choices? Is it just another habit and routine that maybe it's, it's time to look at maybe doing something a little bit different? All right, so what are some of the recommended strategies or tools that we can use to um, healthy psychological detachment from work? What are some of those methods that we can employ? And really the biggest, largest um, detachment strategy is boundary management. It's for sure the most heavily studied. And so by setting good positive relationships with boundary management between work and your personal life, is a fantastic foundational place to start. And so when you're looking at this of boundary management, what does that look like? You first need to start internally and figure out what your values are. What truly makes you tick? What are those core principles that define who you are and those things that are non-negotiable for you? And then how does your work life and personal life play into those core values? So does your work, your occupation life, support, hinder, enhance, those core values and can it do all of those things? And the answer really is yes, it can hinder them, it can enhance them, all those things, but you have to have a good positive relationship. And so we can again go back to your relationship with technology and email specifically, what are the written policies for your organization about how often you need to check your email? Is it when you're only on duty? Is it expected you check it even on your days off? Um, Are people expecting a response as soon as they send you the message? And then what are you actually supporting with your response times, things like that with email specifically? And so, you know, you hear lots of examples across the country where people are taking vacation and then they have to bring their devices, even though on their time er, timed off, which they've earned, they're expected to bring a device and to respond to transmissions from their organizations or their jobs um, when they're away. And if you're a small business owner, that's obviously a little bit different, Um, but you can also create boundary management within your small business. Um, And that should also apply to us when we leave, especially for us shift workers, when we leave, what is the expectation? Am I supposed to be answering you on my days off or are those actually my days off? And then you can create boundary management around that. And it's fair to the, to the people that are sending you information, especially if you've been really, really proactive and aggressive on answering them and solving their problems, regardless if you're at work or not, to say, hey, 
I can maybe see the writing on the wall a little bit. Um, this, this is what the new standard is going to be for me. And just communicate it and kind of see where that goes. I think you can also have some good boundary management when you're actually at work. Like what are, what is the expectation from your family and friends and, and people like that when they're reaching out to you? Are they expecting you to get right back to them? Um, and, and how does that impact your investment when you're actually at work, regardless of what job or what rank you are within? Another easy way uh, strategy to implement is mindfulness. And we've talked about mindfulness a little bit here on the podcast and we'll continue to talk about it a lot because it really is um, some pretty interesting stuff, another highly researched practice. Um, And really the power of mindfulness is it teaches you to focus on the present moment. So meaning if I'm at work, I can mentally engage and focus on the present moment. If I get a 911 call, I can mentally process and focus on the moment and use some good critical decision-making factors to work to our best advantage. If I'm working on a project, I'm not always picking up my phone, trying to check social media, things like that. I can focus on the present moment. So there's a lot of wins when you just perform a very, very simple mindfulness routine. And that doesn't have to be very long. That can be less than 10 minutes a day. And if that seems like a really, really long time to sit there for 10 minutes, then start with five, start with three minutes and see where it goes. See if you're able to start um, quieting what I call the drunk roommate that lives between your ears um, in the mindfulness space. I'll call that the monkey mind. And just start to train that, that drunk roommate like, hey, this is what we're focusing on right now. I understand that you have all this input, um, but I'm not listening to that at this point. So really what mindfulness can help train you to do is you can see a thought Um, And this really helps us when we're trying to fall back asleep for sure is, hey, I acknowledge my to-do list for tomorrow or all the stuff I was supposed to get done today that I didn't. I see it, but I'm not going to jump on that thought and then ride it into the spiral for the next hour. I'm going to actually go back to sleep. So I acknowledge it. I see you, but I'm not dealing with that right now. And mindfulness can really, really help us there. There's tons of resources out there, um, Headspace, Calm, lots of apps, tons of free stuff on YouTube. So If you're not doing a mindfulness practice, I would encourage you to get out there and just give it a go. See what you think. The other thing that these research studies that we found um, talked about and was relatively interesting is that longer and sustained programs are more effective than quick one and done strategies. Not that surprising, but just play the long game. So kind of like I was talking about where January 1st is just a day. It's not this magical day where you have Um, all these new things that you're going to try to accomplish. It's just a day. And we know that we need to chunk things into smaller bite-sized pieces and make small wins over time lead to really, really big gains when we look at it in that context. The other interesting thing is in these studies, not only that longer and sustained programs are more effective, but actually for those of you that are later in your career, when you implement some of these specific psychological detachment strategies, you're going to get more gains than somebody that's in the beginning of their career. So again, this ties right back into allostatic load and it ties right back into undealt with chronic stress. So you can teach an old dog new tricks. And so get out there and challenge yourself, learn something new, get some new um, boundary management, try a new mindfulness routine, things like that. Okay. 
Um, another, another easy takeaway resource to do that can help you kind of disconnect. So one of the ways that you can do boundary management is, hey, I'm transitioning from shift. So I got off shift today. Now I have this drive time or commute time of some sort between here and there. There's my transition period where I can start to unpack those things. I can look at what went well, things I want to work on, some of the big wins that we had over that shift period. Okay. And then once I get home, now I've, I've de-stressed a little bit. I've let some of that stuff go. And now I'm ready to transition into my home environment. And that home environment might just be you walking into your house or your apartment or whatever by yourself. It might be walking into the crazy enough craziness of kids getting to school um, or having a newborn at home, like all those different stages of life that we, some of us go through. Okay. So <clears throat> boundary management and really intentionally choosing, hey, I'm not at work anymore. This is how I want to show up in my personal life. These are the things that I truly value with my personal relationships. And this is how I want to conduct myself. Um, and also giving yourself some grace of, hey, I just got off of a 48. We didn't really sleep at all. Super, super busy. Maybe had a couple stressful calls in there. Today, I'm actually dedicating to myself. And today is going to be a recovery day. And I know I have this long to-do list, but today is about me. And so maybe start to build your to-do list and your day off schedule around Day one of your, your first day off is, is about you and rejuvenation and things that make you feel um, whole and taking a nap, like all of those sorts of things. And Chief West's podcast, that uh, was episode six with Chief West. He's got some great resources in there about um, ways that we can psychologically detach from work and uh, ways to transition into that home environment to have that nice long career that a lot of us are shooting for. Another good thing that you can try is, is called the three good things journal. And so just write down quickly in that transition period, maybe it's before you leave the station or the um, firehouse, whatever it is, um, you sit in your car and you write down three good things that you accomplished that set. And there's, your, there's kind of like that ritual and that habit of, hey, I'm transitioning from work. I'm focusing on the positive things, the things that I had control over, the things that were wins. We're going to build off of positives. And so three good things. And now I start to transition into um, off work life. Another good thing that I use quite a bit actually is, is just a quick mindfulness practice um, in my driveway. And so at times our life can be pretty crazy. We have three kids. And so it can be a little wild when you walk in the door. And remember, like the people that are at home are the ones that, that really truly do love you. And they want you to show up with the best version of yourself as possible. And so again, good quality boundary management of like, hey, when I come home, like this is the things that I'm going to do to make sure that I take care of myself. So that way I can show up the best way for you possible. Okay. Another way is just in the driveway, a mindfulness routine and really setting your intention. So that could just be like a release mindfulness meditation where you just sit there in your car very quickly you take a couple good breaths in through in and out through your nose and you just kind of release that transition phase. And you can even say the word release in your brain. And um, there's, a, there's another version of a mindfulness where you don't have to follow an audio prompt or a script or anything like that. Another mindfulness uh, practice could be just a simple parasympathetic breath routine where you double the exhalations. And we've talked about this as well before. So a nice count in through your nose. Let's call it a four-second inhale through your nose. 
trying to breathe using your diaphragm, and then a nice controlled exhalation out through your nose as well. So in this circumstance, if I breathe in through my nose for four seconds, I'm breathing out through my nose for eight seconds. And um, the reason that we're trying to use our nose exclusively for this is because it, it triggers a parasympathetic response, um, which helps calm us down and helps get rid of some stress. The final thing is work on intentionally engaging in recovery activities, especially recovery activities that are positive and don't add more stress to your life. So if you got beat up at work and you're, you're really tired, you got no sleep, it was just nonstop call to call to call to call to call, um, regardless of your industry, you need time to rehab and recover and rejuvenate. So don't necessarily go to the gym and just completely punish yourself and, and add so much more negative stress to your life in that circumstance, all right? So like we talked about, quick breath routine, that could be up to 10 minutes if you wanna do that, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that long either. You can definitely work out, just temper that on a day where you are smoked. Go in there, maybe get some good zone two cardio, maybe go for a ruck, just carry some weight on your back, get some sunlight in your eyeballs, um, go for a walk, things like that. Do some yoga, yoga for first responders is a fantastic organization that has lots of tools out there. Okay, um, you can work on, you know, saunas. Sauna is a great way to rejuvenate yourself. And yes, that is adding some stress, but it's in a positive light. Um, some people really enjoy the cold plunge as well. And there's lots of really good positive benefits to uh, intentionally stressing your body using things like a cold plunge or sauna. And then finally, you know, if you have some hobbies or you have relationships, especially relationships with friend groups um, or partners that are, not in emergency services, those are all really, really healthy. And just try to try to not cross that divide of tying your identity to everything that you do and talk about has to do with your job. So remember, you're much greater than what your occupation is. You're much greater than what you get paid for. Um, so invest in those things and uh, have, have that good healthy balance between people that are in the industry and people that are not. And then again, take a look at what are some of those hobbies that you maybe used to do that you really, really enjoyed that brought you a lot of joy in your life that helped take stress away from you that you just simply aren't doing anymore and maybe start trying to do them. And so things like, uh, like we talked about mountain biking specifically, you don't necessarily have to go for a four hour mountain bike ride, right? So start small and just get those small wins and, and remember why you enjoyed doing those things in the first place or seek out some new hobbies as well. Um, and a lot of this stuff will really, really help pay off and will help decrease your allostatic load in the future. So there you go. There's some, some resources about the concept of psychological detachment. And again, lots of resources will be in the show notes. Some good studies you can dive into if you'd like. Thank you for spending your valuable time with us here on the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast. We really appreciate the support. Please rate, review, follow, and share the show. We thank you all that have been sharing the show to some of your circles. Um, we really, really appreciate you doing that. And don't forget to smash on that follow button so you never miss one of these weekly released episodes. Stay smart. Thank you for listening to the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast, where we give you real tools to train ultimate human performance both on and off the emergency scene. You can find more information on our webpage at firefightercraftsmanship.com. 
including all the classes that we offer. And there's plenty of free resources and training on the site as well. Reach out to us on social media, including Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to have a conversation and figure out how we can help you achieve your goals. Stay smart. Stay smart.